Last week, the podcasting industry descended upon London Town to celebrate all things podcasting as we all attended the podcast show London. But what was it really like? Was it a good show? Is it worth your money? And is it worth your time? That is what I'm here to discuss today on the Podcast Accelerator. It's going to be a quite an interesting I suppose review, yeah, yeah, we're going to go with review, a solo review, discussing some of the things that I spotted at the podcast show in London. It's been very, very interesting and just to be there and to, to enjoy time in the capital city, which I'll get to in a little while. And events are hard, all right, events are hard. So did the podcast show London live up to the hype and should you potentially attend next time? Hey, look, before I get to that I just want to say, look, I'm going to be away next week. Sam and I, we're off on honeymoon. We're away until the 11th of June from work. We're going to just have a little little trip just to celebrate our honeymoon. So we're really looking forward to that one. I'm going to be off next week, like I said, so there'll be no episode on the 8th of June, but I'm going to be back on the 15th of June. And I'm putting this episode out a little bit early as well while it's fresh in my mind. I'm putting this out today on the 30th of May. So just a heads up, this is a couple of days early as well, because, well, the show was last week, so I just wanted to get it out. But just like I said, the heads up, I'm going to be off next week, so there'll be no Podcast Accelerator on the 8th of June, but I'll be back full steam ahead on the 15th. And if you want to say, well, hello, if you want to say thank you, if you want to buy me a beer, which would be absolutely lovely, I absolutely love beer, just to say thanks for this podcast. You can do so by dropping your support at mark.live slash support. That's mark.live slash support. I really, really appreciate that. So let's talk about the podcast show. So the podcast show is, it's a big event. I heard that there were upwards, well... I heard there was upwards of 15,000 people there. I've heard varying reports. I don't know what the actual numbers of this event were. It felt busy. Uh, did it feel any busier than Podcast Movement or Podfest? Not really. And they they market mm, three, three and a half thousand people. I don't know. That's not for me to say, but it felt busy. All right. So this is a second year show. All right. They did the podcast show London last year and it was a fantastic inaugural event. It was surprising for many how professional this felt. It, it was, it was frankly for me, it was lovely to have a, an amazing podcasting show on my doorstep. There were some little shaky elements to it. You know, some of the, 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 the signposting around the event wasn't great. The balance between a trade show and an educational seminar, mm, that was, that left a little bit to be desired, which we're going to touch on later. Did that improve in year two? We'll get to that a little bit later. But overall, I think number one, they'd learned from last year's feedback. There was a lot more signposting around. It was much easier to navigate the event for the first timer. And it was... It was busier. I thought it was going to be quieter because a, a, a second year show is very, very difficult. I feel like very often the first year show is much, much easier because people are sort of excited. Like, what is this new show going to be like? I've seen it before with other podcasting shows across the water in the US where it's it's been an all right event in year two, but year one was really the standout and it's very difficult to follow that up. And and, and I think, I don't, I don't think the podcast show suffered with that. I actually think it got better 
this year. And that is that is a difficult thing to achieve. Now, it's clear there's a lot of money in this show. There's a lot of money being invested in this show from the signage to the venue at the Business Design Centre. I've spoken at the Business Design Centre. Wow. A lot of times over the years, I've spoken at trade shows, I've spoken at big, big, big business events, and I've spoken, of course, at the podcast show twice now. So I know the venue is quite interesting. It's it's it's, it's intended to cater for these kind of shows, so it's a very well thought out venue, and it does well at holding that amount of people. And it does well at not making it feel too claustrophobic, which sometimes can happen. And it also does well at, frankly, not being in a hotel. And I'm going to talk about the travel in a moment, but it does well at not actually being in a hotel. Because I think a lot of the time when you go over to the US, um, these shows, apart from things like NAB and, and, and even the old NMX, which were at, I mean, well, NMX was at the Westgate, which is an interesting hotel, but it was attached to the Las Vegas Convention Center. And the con- a convention center it feels very different to a hotel. It feels like you're there for an event. I've, I've, I've been to a number of events, you know, ranging from obviously a million podcasting industry events um, to things like Comic-Cons and, and, and Star Wars Celebration. And they always feel more event when they're in an event setting as opposed to a hotel. Uh, that's just my opinion. There's nothing wrong with the hotel environment, but it just... The Business Design Centre feels like an event venue, which is is really good. So I think that, that set it on its pedestal last year and it continued to be there. I'm also a fan of when um, when events stay at one place. I think that really helps the event. And again, I love podcast movement. I love PodFest. I think they're probably my favourite two events of all time. They are genuinely my favourites. But trying to establish an event and having it in one place, I think always helps. So I think I'm, I'm a big fan of that sort of decision, but also it's interesting from a travel perspective because traveling to the podcast show in London was, is, was, and is very, very easy, no matter where you're coming from. So if you're coming from, so Chris Kremitzos came over from, from Podfest, um, and, 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 and he flew into Gatwick, which is, is frankly, you know, that's, that's a long way out. You know, that's down the M23 here in England. And it's quite a trek. But all he did, he just jumped on a train up to King's Cross. And, and you can walk from King's Cross to the Business Design Centre. And there's a Hilton right next door. There's a myriad hotels all over the place in Islington. Um, so it's walkable. Even if you don't walk and you get the tube, London's very easy to get around. It's very easy to travel to. It's very easy to get through using the tube system. It's, I think it's the best transit system in the world. And it is very, very simple. It's just one stop from King's Cross to Angel, which is where the Business Design Centre is, and there's a Hilton attached to it. It does not get easier than this. And what I like about that is it's always the same. So for those that came last year, you sort of don't have to think about travel. You just do what you did last year, and then if you come back next year, you just do what you did this year. So I think that the travelling aspect of it is, I think it was a very wise choice that they held it at the Business Design Centre. I do think that is an exceptionally clever choice. Um, It's just a good venue. It's just well connected. It's easy to get to. And it, it it takes a lot of that stress away. You can fly to Heathrow. You can fly to Stansted. You can fly to Luton. You can fly to London City. You can, of course, fly to Gatwick like Chris did. But ultimately, most people come into Heathrow and it's just, it's it's a tube journey to King's Cross from there. And you just jump off at King's Cross and you come down to Angel. It's one stop. So it's that aspect of it really, really, 
really helps. And I, I do think that probably helps with like the, the, the difficult second year challenge because you just, you're not having to think about it. You don't have to think about getting anywhere else. So if you, if you're on the fence because of the travel, I think it's, I don't think you need to worry about that. London is relatively inexpensive to get to compared to a lot of places. It's, and I say relatively inexpensive, I'm talking post COVID. Everything's more expensive to get to the flights used to be a few hundred bucks from, from, from somewhere like Florida or New York into London. It's a bit more than that now. Always book early. I think you, you, you get much better deal if you book very, very early. And we see that going the other way. We just booked our flights for, for podcast movement evolutions in Los Angeles. Um, and they're like a grand cheaper booking six months earlier. So that's always a no brainer. And London is absolutely no different with that one, but it is affordable, especially if you, you know, if you, if, if this is a tax deductible, if it's a write off, for a company expense, you know, it's, it's, this is not going to break the bank. So I think that works. All right. As I said earlier, the, the, the second show is always difficult and, and a lot of, a lot of event organizers, and I don't see this at the bigger, more established events like the pod fests and the podcast movements, but a lot of smaller events, um, their organizers can sometimes be a little stubborn. They can, they can sort of do things their own way and not listen to their audience. And the podcast show didn't do that. It listened it, it 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 was very difficult to get around the show last year. You you weren't quite sure what the stages were, where everything was, where the exhibition stuff was, the trade show stuff, where the education stuff was. That was a big bit of feedback that I heard. But this year they nailed that. That was much, much easier. They actually did two big things that were relatively simple and very inexpensive that just really helped with that. The first thing that they did, they invested in more signage as you walked in. So the information desk and the team, in fact, I need to stop here and just applaud the team. By the way, everyone on the floor of the podcast show London was fantastic. All of the people helping, all of the staff, which I'll talk about later as as experience as a speaker, all of the staff were very, very good. Everyone was fantastic with that one. Um, So highly, highly recommended uh, from a a personality perspective. Um, But like I said, what they did this year was they put put a lot of signage as you walk in and they made it a lot easier because they had the entire two-day schedule up on the board in huge, huge, huge board as you just walked in. You could see everything that you needed to see because they've got an app, but it's difficult to get an app right for an event. The, The app... I think could always be improved, but I think any app can always be improved when it comes to events. You've got a lot of information to fit onto a very small screen space. Um, so the, the the way that they'd set up the signage really, really helped this show. As you walked in, there was a full schedule there and you could just see everything at a glance. You could take a picture of it, you were done. It was perfect. Then the second thing that they did um, this was sort of a, it was sort of actually a three tier event. You walk in to the front of the business design center and there's a ground level. And then you walk up some stairs and you've got sort of the trade show level. And then you've got a mezzanine, which runs right around the outside of the business design center. And you had a lot of areas up there, including the education booth for the creator track, if you like. And a lot of the brands like global, like our team at global run, run by the wonderful Ali Jones and, People, other people up there as well, big brands like Sony Music and so on that were up there. And what they did was they had massive drop banners coming from the ceiling, showing where each of these major partners was upstairs in the outer rim, which they didn't do. Well, they maybe did, but I can't remember it from last year. Maybe they did it. So I, if I'm speaking out of turn, 
I take that hit. That's on me. But I, I, it stood out to me this year as something that they'd done that I didn't see last year. So I don't know whether it was just bigger or whether it wasn't there last year or whether it was just me not noticing it last year. I don't know. But it, it was, it was, it was, it was there this year, and that that made a big, big difference. Uh, the experience as an exhibitor um, was was good. We got decent communication. I mean, you know, communication is very straightforward with these sort of things. Go here at this time and unload. There's nothing too much to it. It was easy to get in. It's easy to park. You've got a loading area, which is fantastic. You don't worry too much about getting in and out of the venue. You've got. It's, I mean, this venue is very used to this sort of thing. So the, the lifts, the elevators are very, very close to the trade show, uh, trade show floor. They are big elevators, so you can get in, you can you can put your car downstairs for a couple of hours to unload if you wish. Um, the booth space is affordable. It's big enough. It's, you know, if you do all of your own, your own booth setup so you don't outsource the design to someone that is is, you know, Frankly, a bit more expensive because they've partnered with the show. You can get that aftermarket like we did. We always use a third party because it's cheaper. Um, and it's just as good and it always works. So I think if you do that as an exhibitor, it's exceptionally well done. The exhibitors this year, um, which I guess I'll come to in a little bit more depth later. Um, in fact, yeah, I'm going to save that um, for later because the exhibitors were slightly different than last year. So I'll come to that in a second because I want to just, in order to get to that, I think it's important to highlight the differences between the podcast show London and the major US events, particularly podcast movement and Podfest Expo. Um, the, 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 the closest, the, the closest comparison that I can make with the podcast show is probably podcast movement. So podcast movement started in 2014. Uh, Jared and Dan run a fantastic event and it started as a, as a, as a, as a basically a meeting of podcast creators and those service providers in the industry, of which there were very, very few. We exhibited at the second one in 2015 with podcast websites, and we were one of very few people there. You know, you had the old stalewarts who are all still going today and always do a nice job. Libsyns, the Blueberries, brilliant. You know, they're still around. They do what they do. And they were there as well back in the day when we were there. And that show podcast movement has grown up into something like what the podcast show is is now, which is it's the balance of a trade show and an educational seminar. Whereas it started as an education show, podcast movement started as an education show, and it became the biggest at what it does, which is industry and creators, which is why they've spun out podcast movement evolutions. The theory with that is that evolutions is much more industry focused, you know, big media whereas uh, podcast movement proper, the OG, if you like, is still supposedly aimed at the creator. In reality, that's difficult to achieve because people want to exhibit and and the big brands want to exhibit at both of these events because there's a lot of people that attend them. So it's it's difficult to achieve that balance. And that's that's something I think the podcast show in London also has to, has to balance this year and, and had to balance this year, which I'll come on to. Um, the, 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 it feels very much like podcast movement in that you've got a, a range of different talks. You know, you've got industry talks, you've got the big flag, flagship keynotes, which some shows get right, some shows don't. Um, you know, one keynote that impresses someone is not going to impress everyone. So there's a, that's a real tough act 
to get right is the keynotes. Um, I think the podcast show in London benefited from a big English audience, so it was able to get a lot of big talent that a lot of English people would understand, just like the US. Podcast movement had people like Kevin Smith. Um, we've had people like Sarah Koenig. We've had all sorts of people that, that, that are famous over in the US. But as, as a Brit, we might know a little bit less. So, And I think... You know, maybe that's my sort of geographical bias a little bit. I, I just know more people at the podcast show in London um, in, in terms of the talent, you know, the, the kind of big celebrity talent. And that's just because I'm English. That's just because I live here. Um, so again, we'll talk about that in a little while, but it was, that's a quite an interesting thing that I think the podcast show and podcast movement have to have to balance out every year, which is not easy to do, but they all do it admirably. I think they do a fair and good job of, of ticking enough boxes for everyone. When you compare this to PodFest, you know, PodFest is a couple of thousand people, um, usually two to 3,000 people showing up in a, in, in, a, in a conference hotel in somewhere like Orlando that is purely focused on the independent creator. Yes, there's an exhibitor hall. Yes, there's a little bit of a trade show, but it tends to be vendors that help the consumer. It's a consumer podcasting show that is all about education and community. And that's where it sits. It sits in that lane. It doesn't try to be podcast movement. The, the, I love the events equally. I think they're both great at what they do and they should be applauded for finding their own niche, their own space in podcasting. The podcast show is not a PodFest expert. All right. PodFest is for purely for the creator. And whilst the podcast show is good for creators, it's not purely for creators. So, you know, I'm, I'm saying that because if you if you can only attend one conference and you are, uh, you know, an indie creator, you will probably get more educational bang for your buck at somewhere like PodFest. But you will probably feel the balance of podcasting as the industry, which I'm going to come to in a second, at somewhere like Podcast Movement or indeed here at the podcast show. And that that's what that that's what leads me on to this this challenge. So the exhibitors last year were very much testing the water. We were there, the, the our our fantastic global family were there. A lot of exhibitors were there. But this year, the people that I would recognize as turning up to a trade show were there. So Libsyn made an appearance. We had people like Ali Two make an appearance. We had um, a lot of people selling hardware that weren't there this year, uh, last year. We had bigger booths, or certainly what felt like bigger booths, by people that were trying to target all areas of the industry. So Riverside targeting every person recording, whether you're a big podcaster or whether you're an indie creator. Microphone companies, the fantastic Ash from Heil, the guys from Sure, and so on and so forth. This was a trade show with a trade floor. And the education was upstairs in the rooms. Yes, there were big keynote stages. There were seminar stages, but they were very much taken up by industry discussions, which there's nothing wrong with that. And we see those at PodFest and we see them at Podcast Movement, but also talent. And when I say talent, that's what they call in the media space, the celebs. So we saw people like Katie Price there. We saw Mike Tyndall there. Russell Tovey was there. Um, I saw two of my absolute heroes, um, Guy Pratt and, and Gary Kemp, Spandau Ballet for the latter, songwriter, 
an absolutely immense, immeasurable talent. And the wonderful Guy Pratt, just bassist extraordinaire, played on some of the most fantastic and iconic pop songs and rock songs over the last 30, 40 years. Massive bass playing inspiration to me as a bass player. And they've got a fantastic podcast called Rock on Tours. They are well known. All right. And that, that was the challenge was that there were a lot of brands there and that was great. But a lot of like the Spotify thing that they had a, a, an area that, that, you know, an upstairs area, we couldn't get in they, It was like we were being bounced out. It was like, well, you know, you can't come in unless you're a VIP. And I was like, oh, shut up. You know, that's ridiculous. That's what the, that is silly. You know, it's crazy. It's bear in mind, we do business with Spotify. We do a lot of business with Spotify. We, um, we support them. They support us just like Apple and, and everyone else does. It was that sort of, that is where I think a lot of people have a problem with the way that the podcasting industry is feeling a little bit fractured. Um, you know, flip that around a little bit more. We at Global had a massive talent um, pool there. Everyone from from John and Emily um, running the news agents to to just the, the 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 range of talent on show from Global, and everyone was welcome in the Global booth to get a beer, to get a drink, and to just enjoy the show and to be treated like a VIP. You know, there was no exclusion there, and I think that is that was the major complaint that I saw from indie creators, okay? We've been in the podcast industry now for, what, 10, 11, well, yeah, 10 years. We've seen it grow up, and a lot of the complaints that I saw from indie creators were along the lines of the big guys saying they invented podcasting. So I saw a lot of indie creators saying it's crap, sitting inside a a big audience suite, you know, a big keynote area where you've got a celebrity that already had a platform coming along, and basically alluding to the fact that they probably invented podcasting or it, making it sound like they've made it big or that podcasting is just this thing. And you get so many people saying, yeah, I just turn up and record. I don't really know the ins and outs of it. There's not a lot of value to those types of talks. It's great to see your uh, the people that you enjoy, but to creators, there's no value really in those kinds of talks because they're on the ground doing the actual creation. And that's fine if that's what the show wants to put across, that's okay. But I think the balance of education and celebrity is really difficult to get right because you always run the risk of of annoying some people because many people are there to learn. They want to go and learn from the big shows, how they do stuff. And a lot of the big shows of that big teams that they don't, the people on stage simply don't know. Now, I'm not saying that's the case across the board, you see a lot of talks from the producers and so on and so forth. But it's how you market those things. You know, the celebrities and the names are always going to get the people through the door. So put them on stage with their producer. You know, don't put them on stage with just the talent because a lot of the time they turn up, do a little bit of research and and, 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 and just go there and, and they don't produce. They just do the talking element of it. There's not always a lot of value in that. That was a big thing that I I heard a lot you know, it was annoying to see the big guys feeling like they invented podcasting. It was, I saw a lot of people, the indie podcasters that I was talking to on the floor saying, eh, it doesn't really know what audience it's trying to talk to. I sort of disagree with that. I think it does. I think the Podcast Show London knows what kind of 
audience it's talking to. I think it's talking to anyone with an interest in podcasting. But I think that balance and the difficulty in that balance is more representative of not the podcast show not getting it, but it's more representative of where the industry is today. Because yeah, 10 years ago, we can get annoyed all we want about, you know, the big guys coming in and putting all the money into the production values and creating IP that's intended for TV and movies later and trying to sell the rights to that and bringing on a, me- a measurable voice talent and big production teams. But that's what's, that's what's told my mum. That's, what edu- what, that's what's educated my mum that podcasts exist because she can listen to Gary Kemp and Guy Pratt talk to John Bon Jovi. And, and she loves that. That's what she loves. And, you know, is... Is the classic rock podcast out of, you know, wherever, somewhere in Florida or wherever, is that kind of show going to get that exposure and and, and open up the audience like these bigger celebrity driven shows has? No, it's not. So I think, I don't think that balance is on the podcast show. I think it has to cater up for all of those people in the UK. It's not like the US where in my opinion, the audience is much more mature. It's, it's more, I think it's more, media driven with a creator subculture, which is awful to say. I feel bad saying that because we as creators feel that we are the podcasting culture, but to the vast majority of listeners right now, we aren't. It is the celebrities and the people that are, are, are having a lot of money put into their shows that are representative of the industry to the the, the, the lay person, to my mum. All right. My mum, she will listen to the thing that she sees advertised. That's cool. And that's how they get listening to other stuff. And that's what the apps are there to do is to try and help us with the recommendations. All right, you like this Rock on Tours show? Well, here's this indie rock podcast. Go and listen to that as well. You might like it. So I, like I said, I, I think those complaints are valid, but I don't think it's a problem with the show. I think it's representative of the industry. And me as an organizer of an event, I wouldn't want to say I'm just for trade. I'm just for industry. I'm just for creators. Because there are lots of other shows like the Pods Up North event or the Pod News event up north here in Salford in a couple of weeks' time, which I'll be at on the 12th of June and the 13th of June. There's those shows that are just for the creator or just for the industry thinkers. The podcast show is a... It's just like podcast movement. It's the podcasting event. It's the podcasting event and it has to cater for all elements of podcasting, even when those elements may not have existed or have been fully formed three or four years ago. And that is where the problem is. Okay. So I don't think that's on the show. So, um, you know, I don't think that's on, on, on the organizers. I think that is a, is a difficult balance and it's representative of the industry. I've been to a lot of shows as a speaker. I've spoken at, well, hundreds and hundreds of events over the years, hundreds of them all over the world. And my, my experience at the podcasting show, uh, the podcast show in London, it was just as good as anywhere else that I've ever been to. Um, they looked after me. Uh, they told me where I needed to be and when I needed to be there. Holly was fantastic who ran the stage. Um, I think it was, was it Alex that was running the sound on the stage? The coordinators who organized all the speakers treated me just like they treated the celebs that were there. And Ferga and, and, and Tom were absolutely wonderful. So as a speaker, I highly recommend this event. There was a great speaker lounge, which eh, the tea was a little bit cold. It was in little teapots, but that's probably my only thing. But that's just because I'm a tea head. You know, go and get a tea somewhere else, which is what I did. I bloody love tea. 
But the, the, the speaker's lounge was fantastic. It was a, a little refuge, a little bit of solace away from the madness of the event if you needed it. Everyone was talking in there. I met some great friends in there that I'd not seen for a while. Ariel Nissenblatt, um, Dane, and we saw Sam, we saw James Cridland, obviously everyone that you would expect, all of the, all of the, the, the sort of talent, the celebs were in there as well. So it was really nice sort of area for, for the speakers to, 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 to coordinate and to just get their heads together, ready for the talk. So all the guys like Colin Gray and Mike and Isabella Russell and all the Libsyn crew that were there. It was wonderful. Dave Jackson, Chris Kremitzos, they were all, everyone was there. You know, this was a who's who of podcasting industry people, um, both front facing people that you recognize and people behind the scenes that have been in the industry for a long, long time. So my experience as a speaker was wonderful. I had a, a packed out room. There was, they were turning people away for that. The, the challenge I think is that the, the, the educational content is up on the mezzanine right at the top. It's on that sort of outer rim that I mentioned earlier. A lot of people last year took a little bit of umbrage with that because it was difficult to find. This year it was a lot easier to find and I recommend, you know, that that continues. I think it's easier. The easier it becomes to find the educational sessions, the more good feedback every show gets, regardless of where it is and who it is that's running it. So I would just maintain that. Um, That complaint about them being on the mezzanine, the talks being on the mezzanine, frankly, there's nowhere else for it. On the, on the podcast show, the business design center is just designed like that. It's not, it's not a bad thing. It is just, that is just how it's designed and it's no worse nor any better than the other conferences that I go to, which are very much, you know, it's a hotel and the, the center of the big room is the trade show floor and, you know, the offshoot rooms are the educational talks. It's no different whatsoever. All right. So I, yeah, I had a really good speaking experience, which was wonderful. One thing that really stood out to me as well. We did, um, we did see a lot of on the ground, on the ground, um, stages. So like the brand work stage, I think it was called that we sponsored as global and a couple of the other on the ground stages. So these are stages that are on the trade show floor. A lot of conferences get that wrong because they treat them as secondary content and they don't, they don't respect the quality of content that goes on those stages. They just see them as additional peripheral stages. The podcast show didn't do that. They got them absolutely right. They put the highest level of content on them. They were always busy stages. And it really, from an exhibitor perspective, what it did was it made the trade show a 360 experience. So you'd walk all the way through the trade show from the top to the bottom on both sides, left and right, and you, there was always something to see. A lot of shows get that wrong because they don't put anything worthwhile at the ends of the trade show hall. So you you tend to get at the beginning of each day and maybe after lunch a little bit, an influx of traffic like to the bottom of the hall. But once people have been, they don't come back because there's no reason to. So if they don't see your booth to start with or if they don't get a chance to speak to you, they don't come back. So from an exhibitor experience perspective, that was really well done. We appreciated that because the trade show was always, always busy. And that was down to those stages. So I was very impressed by that. Um, I think overall, it was just a great show. There was a festival which I really enjoyed. So this, um, this, this, this venue, the Business Design Centre, is in a place in London called Islington, which is... It's, it's like a 10, 15 minute walk from the tech city 
um, Old Street roundabout. It's, you know, the tech area, Shoreditch. It's five or 10 minutes, an equidistant walk really from King's Cross from a, a commuter perspective. So it's really well placed. And the area is used to these kinds of, I think, festivals going on. We've seen tech festivals there. I've spoken at tech festivals at the screen on the green cinema there. And the podcast show London did this again. They did it last year where they put live podcasts on or they helped to facilitate. I don't know how involved they were in the day-to-day running of it. But throughout the week, it genuinely became, we took over, the podcast industry took over Islington, all the signage and everything. It was a big, big deal. And they took a lot over screen on the green cinema. Uh, they had a, a, a ticketed rock on tours recording there, which is, which, you know, I'm sure was wonderful. I couldn't, I couldn't make that one. Sadly, we had a meetup, which was, which was outstanding. And it was, it was, it was a genuine festival of podcasting. So a lot of the venues around the area had these live podcast shows with the talent that you'd want to see. And they were all live recording. So I, I applaud that. I thought that's not easy to do. And um, having seen those kind of festivals in that venue and around Islington in other areas, you know, from a tech perspective in particular, I've done a lot of those startup events there where there's been something similar. It was well executed. It was well done. It was well advertised. It was well promoted and it was well priced. So I, I, I saw no issue with that. All. I thought it was really, really well done. Um, and overall, just a very interesting experience. The, 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 the Islington was just overtaken by podcasters. And it was testament to that, that, you know, we had a great meetup. Sarah McDowell and our, our Captivate and, and Global team put a wonderful meetup on. And we did that in tandem with uh, MIC, the Manchester Podcasters Club, run by Vic and, and, and Charles. And it was packed. We had some amazing people there. You know, some amazing people from the sequel pitch team, the verbal diorama team, uh, through to Sam Sethi, through to Colin Gray, through to just, uh, you know, Joe, just anyone that you can imagine that we want to be there, turn to put our meetup and it was packed. So we, that, that, I think that is testament to that festival feel that was, was facilitated by the podcast show. So in closing, events can always get better, but it's very easy for them to get worse. The podcast show 2023 being in London felt like an event that had been around for a decade, like it did last year. They'd improved all the elements that they needed to improve. And whilst I hear some of the criticism about them not quite knowing their audience and finding their balance, I personally believe that that is more reflective on of where the podcasting industry is now as opposed to the show. It has to cater to a diverse range of people. It has to market different sub-elements of the event to the people that want those elements. So the people that want education, the creators, it's got to market that element to them. The people that want a trade show, it has to market that to them. I am in not a unique position, but I'm in a position that not everyone is in, in that I work in the industry for a hosting company. I've created a hosting company. I also with that hosting company, it's a part of a big media company that produces big media in podcasting. But I'm also an indie creator myself that produces my own hobbies podcasts. And I work with tens of thousands of independent creators through that hosting company. So I see I see all of the elements of podcasting every single day. And, and, and I think the podcast show got the balance as close as it could do without going too far into one space or the other. So I, I, I applaud the effort 
in that because it's not easy to do that. So I think it was very well done. Um, is it worth your time? Yes, of course it is. It's a great show. If you are a creator that just wants to go and learn about podcast creation and, and the, be part of a podcasting creator community, where a show like this would have been perfect for you five years ago, maybe it's not now and maybe something like Podfest Expo is because that's just as big, but it is purely focused on creator and community. If, if you want something that represents the whole range of, of what happens in podcasting, then a show like Podcast Movement or the podcast show in London is a good way to do it. All right? So I enjoyed it. We'll see you next year. It's going to be there next year. And yeah, just if you've got any questions about it, hit me up on Twitter at Mr. Asquith. Thanks for tuning in. Remember, I'll be off next week. I'll be off uh, next week honeymooning and I'll be back on the 15th of June in earnest head down, getting on with a lot of great content for you. If you love the show, tell a friend, please, or head to mark.live slash support, and you can just throw me a tip over there and just, eh, or maybe I'll spend it on a little bit of beer. So keep doing what you do. Thank you for listening. Much love. Keep on sharing your voice, because remember, it really, 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 really matters to those that it touches. Take it easy, and I'll see you soon.